0: Thank you so much. You can be seated. Now, I'm very aware of the fact that I'm preaching probably the most famous, one of the most famous and familiar stories in all the Bible. And I hope you'll hear me out this morning and don't get offended if I use this story in a slightly different application than maybe you've ever heard before. I've heard a lot of preaching on David being a young man and going into the battle with this giant named Goliath. I, I've heard a lot of preaching on the sling and the five smooth stones and, and David being anointed as a, as a shepherd boy. But in all the years I've been going to church, I've never heard anybody preach a message on Goliath. I've never heard anybody preach on Goliath. And there's no doubt about it that if any man stood up in this auditorium this morning and he stood up against Goliath, we would all be placing our odds on Goliath. Amen? I mean, if bets were going to be placed on who was going to win in a fight between you and I, you or I, against Goliath, chances are the betting odds would not be in your favor, dear friend. Now, there's three things I want to show you real quickly about Goliath. And and no doubt when we look at these things about him, there's no reason, logically, that Goliath should have lost, lost this battle. Logically, there was no reason... Goliath should have fell on the battlefield. Let me give them to you real quickly. First of all, Goliath had a good testimony. The Bible says he was a champion of the Philistines. You know what that means? This wasn't some punk who was just starting out. This boy had been on the battlefield a lot of times before. He was a champion. He had proved himself, not by just what he said, but he proved himself in the battle on the battlefield. But let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen, when you're fighting a daily battle, it really doesn't matter what you've done in the past. That won't give you victory in the battles that are in front of you. But he had a good testimony, right? Second of all, I'll tell you another reason why the odds were being in Goliath's favor. He was a giant in stature. The Bible says he was six cubits and a span. Now most commentators can agree and most of them don't agree on nothing. But most commentators can agree to the fact that Goliath was something like nine feet, nine inches tall. They agree that his armor probably weighed well over a hundred pounds. And most most commentators believe that Goliath of Gath weighed upwards of six hundred pounds. Nine feet, nine inches tall. Carrying armor that weighed 100 pounds. And he weighed himself in body 600 pounds. Now I don't have to tell you ladies and gentlemen. We're talking about a horse. We're talking about a big old boy. But if you go to messing with somebody who's 9 feet 9 inches tall. And, he, and his armor weighs 100 pounds. And he weighs 600 pounds himself. You're fixing to bite off more than you can chew. I mean we're talking about a horse. But you think about this. You look out onto the battlefield. And you see this giant of a man in one corner. I mean, enormous monstrosity of a a human. I mean, he looks like he's about half ape. probably had green teeth, foaming at the mouth, meaner than a junkyard dog. I mean, he's got a spear with a spearhead that weighed 15 pounds. I mean, we're talking about a mountain of a man. An enormous human being. And then you look over to the other side of the battlefield and you see David, a little ruddy-faced shepherd boy. No more than a teenager. And here he is fighting a a boy, Goliath was, who wasn't even really old enough to be enlisted as a soldier. I mean, he's just a kid. He's just a snot-nosed kid. And he's going up against a champion, a nine feet, nine inch tall, 600 pound champion. I mean, we're talking about somebody who was probably five five foot five, probably weighed 125 pounds soaking wet. And then you look over on the other side of the battlefield and he's standing against this man named Goliath. And you look at that and you can't help but think, who in the name of God put this crowd together? Who in their right mind would have stood a kid, a teenager up against a champion? We have no problem believing whatsoever that Goliath was going to stomp David's guts out and he was going to win that battle. Why? Because of how big he was. The third reason why Goliath should have won this battle was because he was girded with protection. If you'll read <coughs> the verses of the scripture, you'll find that Goliath had at least six weapons at his disposal. Not only defensive weapons, but offensive weapons as well. So here's David. He's got no helmet. He has no brass on. You know the story that Saul tried to put his armor on him and he refused it. And here's David. He's wearing a shepherd's outfit. He's got a little swing on his, uh, uh, in his hand and a pouch of smooth stones, five smooth stones on his side. And here's Goliath covered in brass, head to toe. Bible said he had a spear like a weaver's beam. And I mean, man, you look at it that way. Goliath was girded up and, and, and he was ready to go for the battle. We would all say, there's no way that shepherd boy's taking him down today. We're a- wasting our time. But if there's nothing else I got out of this story, I learned one thing. Ladies and gentlemen, you never get so big, and you never get so strong, and you never get so confident in your past victories that you don't have the ability to fall. Yeah, Goliath was a giant. Sure, he was. He was a champion. Sure, he was. He had been vic- victorious in so many battles. He was a champion. He was great. No doubt when he stepped out on the battlefield, Benny, he probably struck fear into the heart of the Israelites. But when he came down to the Valley of Eli to meet David, he fell. Sure, he was celebrated. He had been victorious. Sure, he had everything he needed at his disposal. By every logical explanation, Goliath should have mopped the floor with David. David. Sure, he had physical strength. No doubt he was stronger than any man that lived in Israel. But he still fell. He fell on the battlefield. So it's with all that in mind tonight or this morning, I'd like to preach on this subject. You're never so tall that you can't fall. You are never so tall that you cannot fall. Now please hear me out in the context of the message before you cut me off. I know Goliath was a Philistine. I know that. I know he was a heathen. I know that. But I'd like to look at Goliath in a little bit different light this morning if we could. I'd like to look at Goliath as a type of us. I'd like to look at this battlefield as a type of the Christian life, if I I may please. And And honestly, Benny, I preach this with the fear of God in my heart. Because I don't really care how saved you are. I don't care how much you love God. I don't care how many battles you've won. Inside all of us, ladies and gentlemen, lies the ability to fail God. Every one of us has the capability of falling in the middle of the battlefield and dying in shame and disgrace. We all have that ability. You don't ever get so tall that you can't fall. I want to show you some reasons from the Bible why I believe Goliath fell. And dear friend, if we're not careful, these same things can happen to us. I'm talking about good people can fall on the battlefield if we're not careful. Let me give them to you real quickly and we'll do something else. Number one, I say to you Goliath fell first of all because according to verse number 26, he was uncircumcised. Now, if you'll study circumcision in the Bible, you'll find out that it had everything to do with the flesh. Uh, Remember, the Jews had to be circumcised on the eighth day because they were a spiritual seed, right? Right? And Gentiles weren't circumcised. And that was because they were after fleshly things, right? And the Jews were after spiritual things. And the reason why Goliath fell was underneath all that brass, all that armor, all that protection, underneath all of his strength and his muscles and his curiosity, underneath all those weapons, there still lied a body of flesh that was capable of falling on the battlefield. Now you hear me and you hear me well. Everything that God did for you, ladies and gentlemen, He done on the inside of you. I've got no problem with the new man that lives inside of me, Benny. I've got no problems with him. The Holy Ghost never does, does anything contrary to God, right? And that new man always wants to do the right thing. He always wants to follow God. He always wants to obey the Spirit. He always wants to read the Bible. He always wants to be faithful to church. He always wants to pray. I don't have any problems with that new man, but I've got a problem, man, ma'am. I'm still living in a body of flesh. Hello, everybody okay? I'm still living in the body of flesh that's just as wicked and just as apt to sin as it was two seconds before I got saved. That's my problem. And you better watch out how you brag and how you run your mouth, sir. I tell you, we're just as wicked, we're just as weak, we're just as frail as we are before we ever got saved. Why? Because we live in flesh. The only thing good about you is what God put in you when you were born again. Somebody say amen right there. But I tell you, I don't ever want to get to a place in my spiritual life where I forget that I'm, I'm in a body of flesh, that I still have an old nature. You don't think your flesh is weak? Go down to McDonald's and try to order a salad. Somebody say amen right there. Hey, listen. You go down there and smell them Big Macs of cooking and try to order you a fruit cup and a salad. Why? Because your flesh is weak. You still live in a body of flesh. This flesh is flesh. I don't trust this flesh as far as I can pick it up and throw it. But thank God when you get saved, He changes you on the inside. Even if it doesn't do anything to the body on the outside. And flesh will still want to do anything and everything that it done before you got saved. But let me tell you something about being saved, sir. You can sin, but you can't live in sin and enjoy it. I'm kind of worried about these super-duper people, Richard. Like you was talking about this morning, I'm kind of worried about these super-duper people that don't think you can sin after you get saved. My God, they ought to sue their brains for non-support. Is what they ought to do. Everybody okay? It is possible to sin after you get saved. But you won't enjoy it. God will chastise you and he'll whip you and he'll beat your brains out to either get you right with him or you're going to fool around long enough and God is going to put you in a premature grave. Amen. Good preaching. But you will not live in sin like you did before you were saved and enjoy it. It's impossible. It cannot happen. But I'll tell you why Goliath fell. He fell because he was flesh. Paul said in Philippians, he said, put no confidence in the flesh. Paul said in the book of Romans, he said, in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. Flesh is as rotten, ladies and gentlemen, as it's ever been this morning. It's rotten as wicked as it was when God condemned it in the Garden of Eden. You say, preacher, you don't trust your flesh? I don't trust mine and I don't trust yours either. I don't trust anybody's flesh. Yes, sir. In our flesh, dear friend, is the ability to mess up. And in our flesh is the ability to even leave God. I don't care how saved you are. If you ever yielded the flesh and opened the gates of sin in your heart and you let the flesh run wild, your flesh will go crazy and it will ruin your testimony and it will ruin your life. I tell you, it pays to stay close to God or your flesh will make you fall on the battlefield. I'll tell you why Goliath fell he had uncircumcised flesh excuse me number two I'll tell you why Goliath fell he fell because he underestimated his enemy (laughs) you see he thought he had David whooped I mean no doubt he was standing there thinking here comes this little scrawny punk matter of fact in verse 43 and 44 when, when David came out here's what Goliath said He said, you little anemic looking punk. He said, the birds of the air are going to eat your flesh today. I'm going to tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. You better watch what you say. You may have to eat them words down the road somewhere. He said, boy, I'll whoop up on you. I'm going to kill you. He got to bragging about what he was going to do and how big of a hero he was going to be and what a champion he was and how the Israelites were going to be the, slave, the slaves of the Philistines. And he was running his mouth because he, that was a product of having confidence in himself. And he was bragging about everything he was going to do because he had confidence in self. I'm going to tell you why our people are dropping like flies, ladies and gentlemen. It's, it's, we've got to the point that we don't think we need God anymore. Our people are blowing out and dropping out like a bunch of dead flies because we've got to the place where we think we don't need God anymore. Oh yeah, we've got self-sufficient. We've got holier-than-thou. We've got a few standards. We've got a few convictions. And we think we've got this thing figured out. But I tell you what, ladies and gentlemen, you can look good on the outside, but you can never get away from the fact that you need God, sir. We're absolutely nothing without God. You're no match for the devil. You better watch what you say. You better be real careful because I'm going to tell you the truth, ladies and gentlemen. All of us tied together... Is no match for the devil. I'll never forget when I was a little. Uh, this, 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 this is. This I'm not bragging about this. <laughs> I'll never forget. I've always been a hoss, Joanne. I. The day I started kindergarten, I weighed 103 pounds. I, I as a five-year-old. That's two five-year-olds. That's a whole lot of youngin'. I've always been. I've always been a big boy. And, and you know when you go up through school, you're going to get picked on for being big. And about 6th oh, or 7th grade, you just, get, you just get tired of it, Benny. You just get tired of it. And so I got to a place, I got to a place in my life, I'd just soon smack you in the mouth as look at you. And I'll never forget, we had, mo- we had moved off to Hickory. This was, this was when we was in the 8th grade. And there was, a, there was a little scrawny punk on my school bus. Who was always on me, Fat Boy? Where you going, Fat Boy? What are you doing, Fat Boy? And I thought to myself, I'm gonna kill you and tell your mama and daddy you had chickenpox. I'm gonna knock your brains in. Well, he just so happened to live on my street. No sooner than that school bus got pulled out of sight, I grabbed a hold of him, and under God, I wish I'd never had. I was three times his size, Benny. I'm thinking, this is going to be easy pickings. I'm going to wear him out. I'm going to beat his brains out. The next thing I knew, I was on my back on the ground. And he whooped the tar out of me. Now, I was bigger than he was. And I'm saying I'm not proud of this because ain't no man man proud to lose a fight. Somebody say amen. Help me right there, man. He wore me out. I'm three times his size. I mean, my God, it looks like a Rottweiler fighting a chihuahua. But you know what the problem was? He was quicker than I was. You know what my problem was? I underestimated my opponent. Hey, we're no match for the devil. But boy, we, we sure act like we are, don't we? You better not estim- underestimate the enemy. He, the Bible says he's able to transfigure himself into an angel of light. Outside of God, ladies and gentlemen, he's the prince and the power of the air and the rulers of wickedness in high places. I tell you, ladies and gentlemen, the devil can make a fool out of you. Sometimes, I say this with all due respect, but sometimes church people treat the devil like he's a distant cousin. I'm convinced that if the devil had a Facebook page, I think some of you would be his friend on Facebook. I mean, my God, ladies and gentlemen, we got to quit treating the devil like he's a puppy dog and start treating him like he's the enemy. Hey, you better not underestimate the enemy because if you do, you will fall on the battlefield. Oh, yeah, that's exactly why Goliath fell because he underestimated his enemy. Number three, let me hurry. I'll tell you why Goliath fell. He fell because he had an unguarded mind. Now don't let me lose you. Can I give you something to think about? Just think about it. Why didn't David take that stone and throw it at his heart? If that stone would have hit him in his heart, it would have killed him instantly anyhow, right? Why didn't David throw that stone and hit him in one of his muscles so he lost his power? Why didn't David throw that stone and hit him in his foot and give him the inability to walk so he couldn't approach anymore? Now watch this. Pay attention. Pay attention. The Bible says that he had on armor, right? That's why David didn't throw the stone at his heart or at his leg or at his foot. The Bible says that he had on armor. But here's the problem. If you put on a helmet, you can't cover your face, can you? you got to see to walk, right? Here's the problem. Because of the design, the helmet that Goliath had on left his face and his forehead unprotected. And out of all the places that David could have threw that stone and hit Goliath, he hit him right in his forehead, the Bible says. He, he, the Bible says that the stone hit him between the eyes and it sunk in. He threw that stone, ladies and gentlemen, right directly at his mind. Why? Because his helmet wasn't protecting it. That stone hit him right between the eyes and dug right into his mind. You want to know where the the devil's killing us, ladies and gentlemen? He's killing us in our mind. The devil is killing us in our mind. See, outward sin is just a manifestation of what's been going on up here the whole time. I just don't believe that saved people just up and fall into sin. I believe it's premeditated. I just don't believe that saved people get up out of bed one morning, trip and fall, and say, Well, I'm in sin. Here I am. I believe it's premeditated. I believe it's been thought about whether it's lust or immorality or rebellion or dope or sex or whatever it may be it's premeditated. And I believe that the demons of hell they take that thought and they play it in their minds over and over and over again. And if you don't guard your mind against the devil he's going to invade your mind and he's going to drive you slap crazy. See the mind is a computer and only you and God can control it. You can sit here with the Bible in your lap, a smile on your face. You can even be agreeing with everything that I'm saying this morning, and all the time your mind is a hundred thousand miles away from here on something else, and nobody would know about that but you and God. And you can look so good on the outside, and I, and you know we, you can look like you're listening and pay attention. and and you can get into the service and sing the songs, but your mind's 100,000 miles away from here. No wonder the Bible says to gird up the loins of your mind. No wonder the Bible teaches that we ought to protect our mind. I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, many a Christian have fell on the battlefield because they did not protect their mind. I'm just trying to tell you, you better be careful what you entertain. You better be careful what you let up in here in this old noodle. You better be very careful about the thoughts that are more than just a fleeting thought. The devil will find a place to slip in. And he'll have you thinking about things that you ought not be thinking about. But here's the scary part. If you don't deal with that thing, the devil's getting ready to make a fool out of you. If you don't deal with that thought that's been bothering you. And and if you don't guard your mind. If you don't protect your thought pattern. The devil's getting ready to make a fool out of you. He's getting ready to make a laughing stock out of you. Why? Because of an unguarded mind. Oh, yeah, I know why Goliath fell on the battlefield. Because his mind was unguarded. Number four. Everybody okay? Y'all okay? I'll tell you another reason why Goliath fell. He fell because he had an unused sword. Now, let me give you something to think about. Look at verse number 50. The Bible says that David had no sword in his hand, right? and that what your bible says. Now the bible says that the word of god is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, right? Everybody okay with that? Anybody know where I'm going with this? Uh, that's the word of god, ladies and gentlemen. And David didn't have one, but watch this. The bible says that when Goliath fell to the ground, David didn't have a sword, right? David got on top of Goliath's body. He drew his sword out of his sleeve. Now, I don't know much about going to a sword fight, but I'm going to tell you one thing. If I'm going to a sword fight, you best believe, I'm going to have my sword out where I can use it, right? But the Bible says that when David got on top of Goliath, he had to draw his sword out of his sleeve. It was unused. He hadn't touched it. You see, the devil doesn't mind how much you run your mouth and get on the battlefield with him as long as he knows you ain't been in this book. See, David... David knew Goliath didn't even have his sword ready. I mean, he had to, he had to draw it out of his enemy's sheath. He knew Goliath hadn't, didn't have his sword ready. He knew Goliath hadn't been in the book, so to speak. Do you remember when Jesus went to the wilderness to be tempted? And every time that the, the devil came to Jesus with an issue, Jesus always responded with three words. He always said these three words, It is written. Jesus confronted the devil with the word of God. Now, if it's good enough for Jesus, and bless God, it's good enough for you and I. Somebody say amen right there. You want to know what Jesus was trying to teach us by example? When the enemy comes around and confronts us with an issue, hey, we better know what the Word of God has to say about that issue, ladies and gentlemen. The devil don't have a bit of problem cutting you off at your knees if he knows that you don't know that Bible. And the devil will fight you anywhere, anytime you want to, if he knows that you've not been in the Word of God. Somebody might say, preacher, I read it, but it don't make no sense. Hey, you read it anyhow. i tell you what the Holy Ghost will do. He's storing that Bible. He's storing the preaching up in the memory banks of your mind. And that's why you all to be faithful to church, by the way. I ain't got time to go there. But I'm moving on. The Holy Ghost is storing that up in your mind. And you don't even realize it subconsciously. But the Holy Ghost is is using the memory banks of your mind. And when the devil comes around and he starts to tempt you and he starts to confront you and the battles come, the Holy Ghost is going to press rewind in your mind. He's going to go to the verse that you need and he's going to hit play. And because you were faithful to the Word of God, when the battle comes around, God will give you what you need from His Word. I know why Goliath fell. He fell because he had an unused sword. Let me close with this. Two things I want you to know about Goliath. First of all, he's dead. And I've never heard anybody refer to him as a champion. They always remember him as a loser. Right? Nobody remembers that Samson judged Israel for 12 years. Or 20 years, excuse me. Nobody remembers Samson that he judged Israel for 20 years. Matter of fact, if you read the, if you read the book of Judges, it's almost an afterthought. And in the very, in the very closing uh, verse of the chapter, it's almost like an afterthought. And he judged Israel 20 years. And that's the closing of the chapter. It was almost an afterthought. And Samson done wonderful things. While he was a judge of Israel But in the context Nobody remembers Samson for being a judge Nobody remembers Samson For having great strength Anytime Samson is brought up in context What context is he brought up in? Delilah Nobody remembers Goliath for being a champion Everybody remembers Goliath as a loser And I just want to remind us Christians of something this morning And I'm talking to me too I don't care how many battles you've won If you fall, if you mess up in the last chapter of your life, you're going to be remembered as a loser. I wish it wasn't that way, but it's just a reality. People always remember the negative. You close out the last chapter of your life in failure. If you drop the ball and you fail God, ladies and gentlemen, if you're not careful, you're going to be remembered as a loser. Second of all, let me tell you this about Goliath and I'm done. Now this bothers me. The Bible says that when Goliath fell, all of the Philistines fled. Isn't that what your Bible says? You know it's bad enough for you to mess your life up and ruin your testimony. It's bad enough that you do that. That's plenty bad enough, amen. But what's worse than that is there's a whole lot of other people who might get out and they might get out of the battle because of you. That's why it's so important to have unity in the church. If you've got problems... And you've got confusion in the church and it's allowed to run free and it's not dealt with. There's going to be a whole lot of innocent people, Benny, who are going to get out and quit on God because somebody had to run their mouth and cause a problem. Oh yeah, you're never so tall. You're never so spiritual. You're never so anything. You have the ability in your flesh, in your frailty, in your weakness to fail God. You are never so tall that you can't fall. Let's stand with our heads bowed. I guess this right here is what I'm after and I'm done. Are we really going to convince ourselves that we're so spiritual that we're unable to fall? I mean, are we really going to lie to ourselves and kid ourselves that it's not possible to fail God? I mean, are we really going to convince ourselves that that we can't drop the ball, that we can't mess up? I mean, my God, folks, when are we going to get back to the reality that we need God? It's totally possible, ladies and gentlemen, listen to me now. It's totally possible for you to be one decision away from ruining your life. So here's the invitation, and I'm done. Is there anybody who, here who'd like to come and say, Lord, by your grace, I don't ever want to fall on the battlefield of this Christian life? I don't want to drop the ball, I don't want to ruin my testimony. I don't want to ruin my life. I don't want to close the last chapter of my life out as a loser. Maybe you've been battling in the flesh, sir. Maybe you've not been faithful in your private walk with the Lord. Maybe you've not been faithful in prayer. Maybe you've not been a faithful student of the Word of God. Can I help you just for a minute? If you don't get some help, if you don't get that thing right... And ask God to help you fight the battle. You're no match for the devil. The devil's getting ready to make a fool out of you. He's getting ready to ruin your life. He's getting ready to destroy your testimony. If you don't run to Jesus this morning and get some help. Hey, I wouldn't give the low down sorry pug nosed devil the satisfaction of knowing. That he ruined my testimony ladies and gentlemen. Your life is worth saving. Your testimony is worth saving. Hey, only, in, only you know what area you're struggling in this morning. Why don't you come and ask the captain of your salvation to step in and say, Lord, I don't want to fall on the battlefield. You're never so tall, ladies and gentlemen, that you cannot fall. Father, I thank you for what you've done in this place this morning. I thank you for your word. I thank you for this thought. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing on these altars, for these, my friends, these people that I love. Lord, it would do us all good to take a fresh look at our lives and 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 realize lord we're nothing without you and realize lord that the devil can make a fool out of us in just a quick minute god help us not to drop the ball help us not to get out strengthen us lord that we can be better servants better soldiers for you than we've ever been in our lifetime lord we love you and thank you in jesus name amen y'all stay as long as you need to